Welcome to Liberty in America, Past, Present, and Future with Dr. Bill Joby. Doc is a historian and a reenactor. On this show, you'll hear his thoughts about our personal liberties from their earliest recorded beginnings. You'll also be transported back to the 1750s to relive the life of Colonel George Washington and his adventures during the French and Indian War. Let's get started. Here's Dr. Bill Choby. Hello there. I'm Dr. Bill Choby. This is my very first podcast, and uh, I'm here to talk about my book, Liberty in America, Past, Present, and Future. And the idea of this book is to discuss basically what it is to be an American and uh, where we're going with uh, in our country and why we need to preserve what we've been given uh, freedoms. This was not my first selection of how to run my life. I had originally uh, wanted to be a dentist and I studied uh, many, many years to make that possible. But while I was in college, I developed a side interest in politics and history, American history particularly. But uh, it was just a side interest. Uh, my bachelor's degree was in natural sciences. Uh, I had a minor in uh, what we call environmental and field biology, which is a precursor to what we call environmental science today. And I participated in the very first Earth Day. And one of the things that we had to do for our class was to write a pamphlet of how to buy things that are ecologically sound. And uh, what we chose to do was to promote the idea that if you bought beer in kegs, it was better than buying them in cans. <laughs> so you can only imagine. That was at the very beginning of all this talk about environmentalism. But I do have uh, a minor in environmental sciences and uh, with an overall degree in natural sciences. Nonetheless, I went to dental school and afterwards I spent two years at a hospital in New York City as a resident and chief resident. I saw a lot of surgery, I saw a lot of uh, trauma, I saw different kinds of people uh, from all different walks of life because New York is a metropolitan uh, area that uh, is really a world city. And uh, those experiences prepared me to finally get out into the world and to turn all of my educational investments into a living. It wasn't soon after that I found that uh, because my training was different than most that uh, I became a topic of uh, obsessions of jealous people who didn't like the fact that I was crossing over turf lines. It was totally within our realm, within the power of uh, our license of my profession, just that they didn't like this, anybody coming into their turf. Nonetheless, turned into a turf war and the turf war turned into politics. And before I know it, I was being uh, alleged of misleading the public by placing an advertisement with my degree, DMD, dental medicine doctor, among MDs, which is what was recommended to me by the advertising salesman. And the uh, idea was that I was pretending that I was an MD instead of a DMD, which I wasn't, but it was. Anyhow, the, the State Board of the Industry decided that they were going to smear me with it, and they did. They smeared my name all over the state using the professional publications, and they really wanted to nip it at the bud that advertising was something that wouldn't be tolerated in dentistry. Well, it ruined me. Within three months, my business disappeared, and uh, I lost everything I owned, and along with other personal things that were happening, a brother was very sick with cancer, eventually died, and other family problems. But... I went back to school and went to Virginia Polytechnic Institute for the Center of Public Administration and received the very first Master in Public Administration from VPI. 
And my thesis was licensure in the dental market, and it was instrumental in changing the law in Virginia for reciprocity. Uh, but uh, in Pennsylvania, the idea that dentists would advertise was uh, considered to be voodoo, and so I made efforts through the Federal uh, Trade Commission that they sat on these guys, and through eventually through the governor's office, and as a result, advertising became commonplace in all the health professions in Pennsylvania. So even though it was, uh, you get handed lemons, you try to make lemonade out of them. And with that uh, master's in public administration, I uh, did a whole number of things uh, with, with my consulting work. I became a dental expert in uh, malpractice cases and uh, uh, in issues of peer review of different policies, traveled to 13 states uh, inspecting offices. And in that course of that time, I got to uh, stop at many of the American uh, Revolutionary War memorials and uh, battlegrounds, uh, museums, etc. And I was looking for America, looking for what it was that started this, because again, that interest back in college of American history was starting to emerge for me. And uh, one day I was in Philadelphia, near the Pennsylvania State House, where the Constitution was signed. And uh, lo and behold, on a bench there, on the sidewalk sat Ben Franklin. I sat down and talked to him for about an hour, and I was just so impressed that he stayed within character for all that time, and he was so knowledgeable about all the things about the founding of our country, the Liberty Bell, etc., that I decided that one day I wanted to do that. So when I returned back to Western Pennsylvania, I decided to join the Historical Society, and I took on the character of General Arthur St. Clair. And as it turned out, I had a uniform made and I uh, started going to parades and things. And I found people were calling me George. I said, George, I'm not George. No, I'm, I'm Arthur St. Clair. Now you're George. I said, well, maybe I am. <laughs> so I started to research George Washington, who spent a lot of time in Western Pennsylvania as a young man and was very instrumental in the development of our country from this part of the world. He, in fact, was the one that was blamed for starting the French and Indian War, which eventually became the First World War. Uh, between the British and the French and so many other countries around the world. Uh, but uh, I started to study about this man and the different things that he had done. And then being dressed in his attire or, or replicas of his uniform, I would retell the story to different groups, uh, kids, uh, school-age kids or to civic groups, etc. And uh, as time went on, I became more and more impressed of just the character of this fellow. And of course, the character of all the revolutionary war figures of the founding fathers and women that they they lived their character and they lived these things and it wasn't just uh, some uh, wild idea about being free they lived it and uh, with that kind of uh, understanding of who they were I, I began to see that what had happened to this country was because we've gotten away from the kind of character that these men had now when I grew up at a time in the, in the 50s and 60s where this country was safe. Now, mind you, our, our parents had gone through uh, a depression, had gone through the Second World War, some of them the First World War. They hated war. They hated the de death and destruction of it. And they sought to raise families that were safe and happy. And we were the benefactors, the, the baby boomers were the benefactors of the, the uh, attitudes of our, our parents or the, the desires to make this a safe end wonderful place to grow up. And we 
we didn't have to worry about people being kidnapped or whatever. We'd stay out until the lights, street lights came on, and uh, we'd run around uh, on our bicycles without helmets on. And we did all kinds of things down, you know, ran down through the woods, playing with frogs and fish and everything else. And we had our scuffles with our friends, and we always got back together again. It was a wonderful time to be to, to be alive. Literally, it's sort of a, a, a little rascals type of uh, upbringing. Kids all over the place, baseball in the front yard, or capture the flag, or whatever have you. It was a great place to live. It's because the values, the American values that were inculcated by our founding fathers, made those days possible. So as I got older, and I saw that this this wasn't the same world. This was this something had dramatically happened and through the 70s and the 80s. It was not the, not the same country that I knew when I grew up. And that was discouraging, you know, raising my kids and trying to uh, give them the kinds of things and opportunities that I had was not as easy as, as it had been when we were young. I mean, if you could just imagine, we, when we were kids, we got polio shots because if you got polio, you ended up in an iron lung, which meant that you had to live in basically a casket with your head sticking out in order to breathe. And it was a very real thing, and they didn't have antibiotics. You didn't just go and get, you know... Uh, uh, a shot the way we do today or get pills today if you got a sore throat or whatever have you. People died at different ages because sickness and death was real. But as advances in medicine came along, uh, that became less of a concern. And with that, uh, the threat of dying or the threat of being very sick until only recently with COVID was basically far beyond anybody's mind their imagination. So it's what I found was that through all this experience and dealing with the State Board of Dentistry and these, these advertising, uh, this reprimand that haunted my career, I decided to pour my passions and anger. Uh, if I hadn't, I would, have, I would have hurt somebody, and I just wasn't going to screw up my life hurting somebody because I was hurting. And I poured my passion and, and studies into creating this, this book, and I got involved with public office. I ran for Congress a number of times. Although I didn't succeed, I participated. And many people laughed at me and thought that I was foolish, but I had—I felt that there was a need to, to do that. It was part of the passion in me that uh, I needed to, uh, I needed to feel that passion, just, just to feel like I've done something and contributed something. And uh, I believe, uh, I believe I did. Those experiences led to the writing of my book. In this book, I go back to the get-go as to what is freedom, what is liberty about, where did it come from? Where is it going? Uh, how did it go from strong men, basically, ordering people or pounding people into submission to their will, to where there was a rule of law, to where there was freedom of speech, to where there was an opportunity to uh, create a, a government by the will of the people and to sustain that government by the will of the people? These things didn't happen in a flash and all at one time. It took thousands of years to, to emerge. And so what we have here in America is something that's so unique in the history of the world that uh, it's something that I see slipping away due to political correctness or wokeness. And I would encourage the reader to take the time to read my book and go through the steps that I did to understand where we are, how we got to where we are, and what we need to do to keep that uh, hope and that torch alive, the torch of freedom. I'll leave you with a little uh, teaser. When might is right, the people are in bondage. 
When I say might, I mean like a strong man. Strong men beat you over the head if you don't do what they tell you. You're in bondage to them. When right is might, when justice, when fairness and good things are, are might, through just laws, people are free. But when right becomes wrong, there's chaos. And we're seeing that today in our cities, in our lives. And we remain that way one of two ways. Might can come back to be right, or right can come back to be might. It's our choice. If we don't do something to make right become might again, we, it will be might will be right, and we will live in bondage even greater than ever before in this country. So that's my teaser, my trailer for next time. Please come back, and thanks for taking the time to listen to me, and good evening. Good evening.